Live from Melbourne's Bella Union, it's Child Proof. An unproduced TV sitcom rescued from the bottom drawer and repurposed as a free audio podcast. Episode 6, Baby Fever. Ian and Jennifer are at the front door of their friends Ted and Claire's house. You're actually looking forward to this. I am. You're getting baby fever. Well, it's called a baby shower, but there won't be babies. Just booze. The door is opened by Claire, massively pregnant. Oh, my God! Yes, this is really happening. You look like the side of a house. Yes, I know. We have mirrors. Has it started? Oh, yeah. A cheer and squeals are heard from the next room. Mind if I run a checklist? Go on. Okay, wacky friend who's organised all the breast pump-based games? Check. You looking overjoyed to receive a 30-pack of nappies as a present? Check. Times three. Ooh! What, what, me? Watching everyone else get drunk while I'm not allowed to? Check. By the way, Ian's here. Oh, I'm shocked. Don't tell me I'm the only man. Oh, no. Hipster dads are here. Oh, no. Don't put me with... Cut to Ian standing with two hipster dads, both bearded and wearing babies in front papooses. Hi! How you doing, man? An elaborate handshake which Ian botches. Sorry, I'm from pre-this. Jennifer, with Claire, is staring at the babies. I thought you couldn't bring a baby to a baby shower. Babies go everywhere now, as I'm about to discover. Mm. When's it? Um, Two weeks. You know what? I never thought you... Mm, Neither did I. One of the mums runs up to Claire with a tape measure. Hey, we need to measure you. What? It's guess the mum-to-be's size. Jennifer watches in horror as Claire raises her arms and the mum measures Claire's belly. Why wouldn't you want a bit of this? An hour later, Claire is seeing off the last of the mums. Sorry we have to race off. It's the baby. Yeah, I get it. See ya. Bye. She shuts the door in relief. Ian and Jennifer are the last ones there. Okay, you two are going nowhere. We need to talk. About what? About anything. You really can't have one of these? That's a no? Claire doubles over. Claire, is something going wrong? Oh, I think it's coming! Ah! Oh, no! Not for two weeks, remember? Shit, should I be calling or getting? You can't make it to the car. No, the bedroom. Really? It's you two. Ah! Oh, no. A frenzied montage of Claire screaming, Ian and Jennifer trying to calm her, running in with bowls of water and towels, etc. Just as the baby starts to arrive, cut to 20 minutes later, an ambulance speeds away. Ian and Jennifer sit in their car, shell-shocked. <laughs> that was the worst baby shower I've ever been to. <laughs> Hey, I was the one who got showered in baby. It was so... Slippery. Angry. Well, you would be. The noise! Well, they hate moving out of home now, the young ones. Can we... Never speak of this again. Well... What? We did kind of nail it, though, didn't we? Yeah, we did. The next morning... The Rock FM Breakfast Show with Bernsey Cat and the Wingnut is coming back from ads. Rock FM! It's Bernsey Cat and the Wingnut. Next up... Selfies from hell. 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 That's a bit visual, isn't it? Whoa, get back in your cage, Bernsey! Oh, you boys. Both of you look sharp because the boss is here. Ian is in the guest seat. Our very own director of content. Oh, whoops. It's Ian Caro Carriage. Thank you, Wingnut. No, 
Now, a little bird tells me that you gave birth to... Well, not him. No, what happened? Well, on the weekend, with no prior experience, I helped deliver a baby. Ugh, always creating content. <laughs> what was that like? Well, it was pretty scary. And do you have kids yourself, Ian? Uh, no, no, I don't. Why not? Well, you know, they're not for everybody. It is revealed that Mike Pumphrey is now on mic. Hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> Whoa, hang on. Governor Schwarzenegger's here. Is he still governor? <laughs> Sorry, Governor. Ian was just telling us why he doesn't have kids. He hates the children. No, I don't hate them. From ages 4 through 14, all of my friends were children. Ah, he wants to terminate the children. I never said that. So why don't you have any? Oh, because he does. Yes. Uh, because a freeze is coming. Throw to a song. Bell Tower Books. Jennifer's standing next to a boiling jug, looking pleased with herself. Kate! The jug's just boiled. Do you need hot water? Thank you, but I happen to have this massive coffee. And also, I'm not actually delivering a baby at home during the Civil War, so... Interesting you should say that. Oh, hello, darling. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, I so agree. It's monstrous that the Australian critics don't appreciate you. Jennifer looks crushed, but brightens as Tarquin enters. Tarquin, how was your weekend? Well, it was fine if you enjoy contracting food poisoning from an old piece of camembert. Oh, uh, but was anyone there to help you? Well, I was on the phone to Bob Drew when I realised something was amiss, but there wasn't much he could do. The last thing you want when you're having some sort of health emergency is to be alone. Oh, wait, are you able to peel the Kiwi fruit. Ah, I thought not. But do you know what I can do? I'm going to look up kiwi fruit peeling on the YouTube. Brittany enters. Hi, Jen. This is so weird, but I saw you and Ian in your car when I was having a walk yesterday. I didn't say hi because you had that, like, we're getting divorced face. <laughs> Actually, we just delivered a baby. By yourself? Yes. You guys are total legends. Oh, anyone could have done the same. John sticks his head in. Uh, Britt, can you please round up everybody? Announcement in the boardroom in five. He and Brittany exit. Tarquin has been watching a kiwi fruit peeling video on his phone. <laughs> oh, you silly, hairy little beast. Announcement? Why would there be an announcement? Oh, maybe people have started buying books again. At Rock FM. Ian returns to his office. Outside, his assistant Beck is wearing a footy scarf. What's that? What? You've got something on your... Oh, this. Here, count the pies. We'll have none of that sort of talk in this office. Hey, uh... Gary Sturjo Sturgis is down from Sydney. Who's your footy team? I don't have one. You don't like kids. You don't like footy. You're working for fucking ISIS, mate. <laughs> Why do I need a football team to program a music station? Ah, because from next month... We will no longer be a music station. Because? Because the only show that's fucking rating is Barry and the Buffheads Footy Fandango. So we're gonna go... All fucking footy, all the fucking time. What, no songs? Well, we'll still play You're the Voice in Summer of 69. It's in the charter. Right. Uh, but what about the music department? The football department. What about breakfast? The big footy breakfast. What about Mike Pomfrey's You've Been Sprung? You mean Puntin' Pomfrey's Goal Square Gotcha. <laughs> Wow. And I thought we were going to go smooth. Fuck off. Things aren't that bad. Bell Tower Books. The staff are sitting around the boardroom table. Righto, everyone. I know you're all wondering why we're here, so I won't 
keep you in suspense. Really? Air quotes for keep you in suspense. Does it have anything to do with a voluntary redundancy program? To the bloody contrary, Tarquin. Tarquin is visibly crushed. We're not going to be acting like losers. Well, I wouldn't say a nice voluntary redundancy package would make someone a loser. We're going to be acting like winners. And that's because of our new mission statement. Oh yes, I saw this in Jerry Maguire. Our mission statement will be less words. More ideas. Actually, it should be fewer words, more ideas. Grammatically, I mean. Yeah, nice one, Caitlin. Oh, yes? You've just demonstrated right there that words are a big fat pain in the ass. So from now on, I want you all to ask yourselves one question. What's the point in me coming into work? How do I have less of these words? And why? Because they just make everything more difficult and more expensive. So, we don't want words, we want Photos. But photos are more expensive. Do you know what photographers charge? They all think they're Annie Bloody Leibowitz. Well, we want photos from family albums then. And inspirational quotes by Anonymous. So there's none of that copyright carry-on. Or from inspirational people like Steve Jobs or Barry Ganane. Actually, my husband knows Barry Ganane. Really? Because of, um... What? Barry and the Buff Head. He's sort of Barry's boss, actually. Barry's boss? Do you reckon Barry could write a book? <laughs> could Barry read a book? <laughs> uh, well, I bet he could manage some inspirational quotes, like, uh, love was the winner on the day. If you could get this happening, Jen, you'll be the winner on the day. I mean, if you can't, sure, you could be out of a job. But as Barry'd say, it's all good. Oh, you know, that could be the title. Yeah, nice one, Tarquin. No need for voluntary redundancies with ideas like that, mate. That evening, Ian and Jennifer are having dinner at the pub. So, less words. Fewer words. Right, that sounds like a fewer-than-sensible policy for a publishing company. <laughs> you are still a publishing company, yeah? We'll basically be Instagram by this time next year. Yeah, well, at least you know about pictures. What do I know about football? Even... Fewer than me? Way fewer than you. I don't understand radio anymore. How is this still radio? How are these still books? Everyone's just in denial. We have to get out before the waters rise. What can we do? I'm too old to start again. You even more so. All right. I remember when I was your age. Did they have the internet? There's only one thing a couple like us can do in a situation like this. Move to Dalesford and open a B&B? It's the only option. Do you know anything about running nope. a, Do you know where Dale's for? Nope. Can we even afford to? Of course we can't. The next day, Jennifer rings a doorbell. Barry Ganane instantly answers the door. Jennifer. Barry. He grasps her hand with both of his and looks into her eyes. It's wonderful to meet you. One hour later, Barry holds out a tray of delicious-looking biscuits. Like I was saying, Ian's a very... Very lucky man. Well, I'm lucky too. He won't let me in the kitchen and he likes old movies and he's honestly not gay. Another hour later, Barry has produced an expensive bottle of wine. Oh, just half a glass, thank you, Barry. A bit more. A bit <clears throat> more, I'd be fine. But as I was saying, it's obvious you're an incredibly intelligent woman. Well, I don't know about incredibly. <laughs> you're a woman who understands big ideas. <laughs> Barry has produced a manuscript. What's that? Well, with your help, it's going to be a book. You've got a book ready to go? This is the best day of my life, Barry. Well, I'm a lover of words. Just like you're a lover of words. And there's more of them to come. 
Oh. You could call it a book or you could call it a manifesto. Or, yep, we could call it a book. But what's the title? <clears throat> when I Run the Country. The country... The country what? Australia. When I'm running Australia. But, uh, but when's this going to be happening? The sooner the bloody better. <laughs> but if you're PM, what'll happen to your show? What'll happen to the boofhead? What'll happen with Rock FM going off football? What? Footy FM's the awful ball station. Yes, it is, isn't it? And they've been trying to poach me. Have they? If you jumped, it'd be worse than when they lost Benny and the slug. Jesus, those idiots. Anyway, you and I have got ideas to discuss. Yes? We all like to chillax. Well... Now there's Barry's chill tax. Um, I've just got to make a quick call. In the Rock FM production studio, Mike Pomfrey is in the booth as Sturjo and a tech record a pilot. Outside in the corridor, Ian takes a call. Footy FM, of course, this is true. Mm, shouldn't you have thought of this yourself? That would mean thinking about football, but yes, thanks. Ian enters the studio as Mike is mid-spiel. And we'll have more footy talk tomorrow on Talkin' Footy. But right now, stick around for R -R Rock FM's Nitro and the Party Doctor from the sidelines. And then I'll be back with Punt and Pompros behind the jockstrap. That's yeah, good shit, Mike. Sticky content, like it. But, mate, you need to mention footy a bit more. Uh, leave it with me, Sturjo. Hey, uh, I'll tell you who does mention footy a lot. Well, not you. Footy FM. Don't mention fucking footy FM. Well, it's hard not to. We're, you know, playing on their ground. Nice. What's the point of going all footy if we can't broadcast the uh, games, matches? Fixtures? But we will be broadcasting them in. We haven't got the rights. We'll be sued by Footy FM and the AFL and Eddie Maguire. Well, technically, we're not allowed to broadcast a call of the game from the grounds. But what if, just as one of the games is about to start, Captain Keith was to do a phoner with Mike Pomfrey, who just happens to be sitting at home in front of a TV showing the game and, because it's radio, feels the need to describe what he's seeing on TV, eh? <laughs> For two hours? Well, not during the ads, and we'd play... Run to Paradise? Probably. <laughs> so what, we do this for every game? Mike's up for it. We're not going to get away with this. Ten minutes in, we'll be pulled off the air. That's not what legal are telling me. They're saying it comes under reportage. Uh, reportage? Don't talk fucking French, Ian. <laughs> You're playing to footy fans now. Who could surely just switch on their own TV? Off the paddock, Ian. Bell Tower Books. Jennifer, on her way home, is pressing the lift button when John appears. Hello there, John. Jennifer, I must have come by your office ten times today. I wanted to see how you got on with the B-Man. Oh, well, there's no flies on the B-Man. Yeah, but is there a book in the B-Man? This lift's taking forever, isn't it? I'm seeing pics of Barry. Yeah, but not caption bullshit. Dynamic, moving pics of Barry. What, like in a digital photo frame? Exactly. And no words at all. Get it done. Oh, what? He steps into the lift. Tarquin appears. Jennifer, let's talk tomorrow. Well, that'd be good, actually. Yes, I'm keen to know exactly how much more super I have than you do. <laughs> Ten minutes later, Jennifer gets into the car with Ian. She's just off a phone call to Barry. So how was your day? Oh, it's not over. You'll have to take me to Barry's. Why? I have to try to talk him into cutting his word count from 150,000 to zero. What, now? He's keen to thrash it out tonight. Is he? Don't worry. It's going to be all work. What, editing a zero-page manuscript? You know, he is quite handsome. Oh, hey, I'll send a buffet around. Maybe you could take both of them on. Take them on? Well, whatever you want to call it, you're the one who's mad for Barry. <laughs> 
Jeez, Barry doesn't look at me that way. Barry's front door. Barry is staring into Jennifer's eyes. Wow, I didn't even have to ring the bell. I really wanted to see you. Barry's media room. Barry has poured them drinks. So... We need to talk. Yes. Though, have you ever considered the potential of communicating without words? We can start that way, sure. We can? Barry leads her to the couch and takes her hands in his. Ever since we met... This afternoon... I felt a special connection. Jennifer takes a hefty swig. I hope you don't mind, but I've been... Uh, asking around about you. Mm. I really think that you are the one. The one. Barry hits a remote and a photo appears on his giant TV. A 20-ish woman dressed provocatively. This is Tara. Oh, I didn't know you had a daughter. She's my fiance. Oh, right. Uh, does she know I'm here? Barry takes her hand again. Yes, she does. is this? I thought we were going to talk about the book. This is much bigger <laughs> than volume one of my manifesto. Volume one? Tara and I would love to have a baby. We're desperate, in fact, but unfortunately Tara can't Conceive. fit into the dress she's planning to wear to the Brownlow if she's pregnant. Ah. <laughs> oh. We need someone to act as a surrogate. Jennifer is speechless. Someone who definitely won't want a kid of their own. Jennifer tries to form words, but can't. Jennifer, will you have our baby? Jennifer starts to answer. For half a million dollars? Jennifer freezes. Ian in Jennifer's apartment. Ian is in shock. Well, what do you think? I think we're clearly paying Barry Ganane too much fucking money. <laughs> it's our ticket out of everything. Is it even legal? Apparently, if the payment is classified as a gift. And amazing coincidence. It's how it's done. You don't want to do this. Don't you remember that exorcism we took part in at Clear's place? <laughs> for half a million bucks, I'm up for it. Remember the bit where it came out? I'll be on so many drugs. You put yourself through all of that and then just hand it over to Barry? I hope so. He better not change his mind. But it'd be... It'd be your kid. My child will be a boutique enterprise that offers both bed and breakfast to discerning couples without any children. And Barry and his girlfriend... Hang on. Do you have to sleep with him? <sighs> no. Are you having one with the buffet next? Oh. You'll want one. They'll all want one. I think I'm really going to do it. Once you commit, you've got to go through with it. It's not like that hot yoga class. <laughs> It was too hot and wasn't paying me. Yeah, no one's gonna believe this. Oh no, we can't tell anyone about it. But won't you be disturbingly large? We gotta be out of here by then. We have to start winding up our affairs. Two weeks later, in the Rock FM on-air studio, Captain Keith, dressed in footy gear, is doing the Saturday afternoon shift. Sturjo watches through the glass. You're back on Melbourne footy's home ground, Rock FM, where football and rock are king. And coming up at two, let's check in with punting Mike Pomfrey on the couch. You there, Mike? Sure am, Captain. Just kicking back in front of the telly. 
Oh, really? Uh, what are you watching? Oh, I just happen to be watching the big Richmond St Kilda clash at the MCG. Oh, great. What's happening? Mike proceeds to call the just commencing game. At the same time in his office, Ian tips the contents of his bag onto his desk. Two dozen takeaway pizza menus. He sits down and dials a number on his mobile phone. And while waiting for an answer, dials another number on his desk phone. 25 minutes later, Mike lays on his couch, still calling the game into his mobile. Well, Keith, it looks to me like the second quarter is kicking off with a good old... What's that, mate? Uh, Keith, can you hold the fort for a sec? Seems I have a visitor here at House Pomfro. No worries, um, I just mentioned Barry and the Buffhead will be live from Flatnacker's Sports Bar. Mike answers the door. It's a pizza delivery guy. What? I didn't call for this. Someone's got to pay for it. Mike pays him and races back to the lounge. Uh, uh yes. Uh, sorry, Keith. It looks like Richmond are behind. Christ. Sorry about this, Keith. Outside, another pizza man is at the door, while a third jogs up the stairs. There are five pizza vans in Mike's driveway, with another one just pulling in. Back in the on-air studio, all Keith and the listeners can hear is an incessant doorbell and Mike swearing. Through the glass, a furious Sturjo holds up a hastily scrawled sign, throw to the choir boys. <laughs> Bell Tower Books. In the kitchen, Jennifer's reading the newspaper. A painting of a man's face is shoved under her nose and she screams. She looks up to see John, then looks back at the painting. Hey, this is great. You don't see that many oil paintings of Mark Holden. It's Barry. Oh. And it's going to be on the cover of his book. Well, it may not be that simple. Because? Because um, the artists will need to give us the okay. I'm the artist. And I say it's more than okay. He exits. Caitlin enters. So... The thing is, I'm going to Gannett Books. What? You hate Gannett. You called Robert Quilling Little Lord Bollocksroy. Well, Bollocksroy says Gannett are getting an espresso machine. John is back. And Jennifer, let's move Barry's book up in the schedule. Get it out by the grand final. When is that again? Christ on a Christ-shaped bike. He exits. It's in October. But that's... Like, really soon. Oh, don't worry, darling. You'll be so busy with all my projects, you won't have time to worry about Barry's silly little book. It doesn't even have words in it, for God's sake. Tarquin's office. Jennifer and Tarquin are sitting on the sofa. Would you like a refreshing German brew? I got the last two in the boardroom fridge. Yeah, great. He produces two beers from an esky. Jennifer immediately takes a swig. I just can't believe Caitlin's going. You know, she challenged me mentally, like I was her lawyer and she was the psychopath who tricked me into thinking she didn't really murder all those people. Yes, it's absolutely shocking. Mm -hmm. But I suppose you've guessed that uh, I'm getting out too. To be honest, it was a bit of a giveaway when you started singing Jailbreak when anyone asked you a question. Jeez, I really will miss you. Well, you don't need to miss me because you can always visit me. Great! I'd given up on you ever asking me to your place and I really want to eat from the same crockery as Richard Zachariah. No, I mean you'll be able to visit me at my B&B. Mates rates. Uh, oh, thanks. Dalesford? How did you know? Never mind. <laughs> you know what I really liked about having you as my boss? How in my performance appraisals all we ever talked about was who hates you and why. Well... Performance appraisals are going to be very different from now on. <laughs> yes. Because John has decided that Brittany will be replacing me. So she'll be doing them. Brittany, the intern? Yep. But she thinks the Thornbirds is a true story. And she was born in, like, 1991. Unnoticed, Brittany has appeared at the door. 1994, actually. 
Can I have a beer, guys? Tarquin tries to wrest Jennifer's beer away from her, but a shocked Jennifer clings on. Rock FM. From behind the door of Ian's office can be heard muffled swearing. Sturjo having an angry phone call. Beck sits at her desk. Ian enters. Who's on the phone? Our footy FM legal department. Ouch. And he knows it was you who ordered those pizzas. Yeah, I told him. He's going to kill you. Well, best get comfy then. He pulls up a chair. For a few seconds, Beck types. So, why have you and the missus never adopted a child? Here we go. It is annoying, isn't it? I don't want a kid eating into my 10-pin bowling time. 10-pin bowling? Bowling? I'm number two on the ladder. You are such a lesbian. You are such an old man. Old enough to remember when same-sex relationships involved a man and a woman. (laughs) Wow. I would have liked to have had two mums. Two hot mums? Yeah. That's so wrong. Yeah, but they've adopted me, so technically we're not related. Or real. Not yet. Some hot lesbian still might adopt you? Why not? Who's to say what a real family is? You need to be more open-minded. The office door bursts open. Sturjo looks crazed. Ian! Ian fucking here now! Actually, I'm just off. Till when? Till forever. Mate, I just need you to help me sort this shit out. Well, you know what to do. Go smooth. Not on my watch! It's your only option. No way! This is Rock FM! Whoa. Oh, you see a chance, take it. Fuck. Sturjo is stunned. He turns to Beck. Who are you? One week later, Ian and Jennifer sit in a doctor's office. A poster of a pregnant woman reads, get your confidence back after childbirth. What confidence? Come on, you'll be fine. Opinion appears to be divided about whether you're allowed to drink. That's assuming I haven't got Lou Gehrig's disease. No one has that here. You're genetically perfect. Thank you. Jennifer takes Ian's hand. It doesn't bother you that... Someone else is essentially renting my wife's downstairs department for several months. Well... I've come to accept it, mostly because of my newly discovered love of both bed and breakfast. Barry says we'll be able to afford an infinity pool. What is? I don't know. Wow. Think about it. You'll never have to hear the tub-thumping song ever again. And you'll never have to correct less water to fewer. Fewer water. And I'll be here fetching things whenever you ring your little bell. So many things. Ice cream, the remotes, the cat. You remember the cat. (laughs) The female doctor appears with a clipboard. Jennifer, sorry, but I've just checked your results and you are aware that you're already expecting. (laughs) Expecting? (laughs) Jennifer realises that Ian is staring at her in shock. been listening to Childproof, written and produced by Tony Martin and Serena Rao at the Bella Union for the 2017 Melbourne Fringe. Starring Geraldine Quinn as Jennifer and Beck, Tony Martin as Ian and Tarquin, Roz Hammond as Caitlin and Claire, Andrew McClelland as Mike Pomfrey, Damien Cowell as John, Christina Laria as Brittany and Kate, Jovan Caro as Captain Keith and the Wingnut, and Lockie Hume as Sturjo and Barry Ganane. With guests Serena Rowell as Baby Shower Mum and Sam Peterson as Bernsey. The narrator was Jay Mueller. Child Proof, the podcast, is produced by Matt Dow on the Pots and Pans in conjunction with Bad Producer Productions. Pete Smith speaking.
Half an hour later, a front door is opened by Ted. Hello, Ted, are you here? Well, hello. <laughs> Ted, I didn't think you were going to answer the door for a moment there. <laughs> Mate, I'm so good at it, let's do it again. I was hoping that if everyone's kids sucked up to him, he'd get all, oh, the children are our future. And then he'd write something that doesn't have, like, a school of giant paku beating... And then he'd write something that doesn't have, like, a school of giant paku beating... Ah, fucking cunt ass tit. <laughs> it's fucking cunt tit ass. Yeah, sorry, edit point. The rules state that I cannot compete. So let's tally the votes for the best picture of 2016. Later that night, Ian and Jennifer are driving home. Sorry, this was written a year ago. <laughs> That's how long we've been trying to get this fucking thing made. Do you want me to redo it, Tone? Okay. At a year. Whoops. So let's tally the votes for the best picture of 2017. Push some fucking numbers through the website. Not the website again. Have a look up front, Ian. The website's driving. <laughs> it literally is. <laughs> Dion, beautiful mise-en-scene there, mate. And uh, I think we're awaiting the appearance of the actor playing Dion. Uh, Dion, to the stage. Dion, Dion, we, last call. Do we have Mr. Samuel Peterson backstage? Samuel well, Peterson. <laughs> Where's he gone? Let's go. He's in, he's in. Yeah, he's here. Sam, he's here. Sam, 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 Sam. By the way, this will not be edited out. <laughs> do I want to lead you in? So I say thank you. Dion, beautiful mise-en-scene, mate. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Now, should we do that again? Because it will seem very unnatural on the podcast <laughs> if that gets a massive laugh. It's going to be a very strange story development. <laughs> People listening going, I don't get the joke. Why is Dion so popular? <laughs> and he has two words in the whole series. Oh, but mate, the way he says it. 